Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. Six school is this? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. You got spunk. I hate spunk. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Alrighty then. How you doing? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Say hello to my little friend. I love to celebrate from in the morning. What are you people? On dope? Stop whining. I got a crap on deck that can choke a donkey. Who is your daddy? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Can I do that? I'll be back. A dynamite! Up your nose with your rubber hose. What? I'm sailing! I'm sailing! Groovy. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it. Pull it down. Nothing's never having to say you're sorry. Here's looking at you, kid. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off! Go to the coast. We get together. Have a few laughs. Hear that, Elizabeth? <laughs> I'm coming to join you, honey. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I love it when a plan comes together. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. We're on a mission from God. Hello and welcome to a very special Then Is Now podcast. I am your host, Rigor. Well, folks, we did it. Today is June 16th, 2021, and we are celebrating our 50th episode. Instead of uh, teaching you about an element of pop culture that you didn't know about, we are going to let everyone outside for some much-needed recess. Also, we're going to do a wrap-up of the Abominable Dr. Fibes 50th anniversary celebration, and to that end, we have special returning guests, William and Damien Goldstein, as well as new guest Peter Fuller from the Vincent Price Legacy UK. Plus, we'll have other special guests popping in throughout the show, so we're going to talk all things Fibes, horror, and other fun pop culture stuff. Class, it's time for recess! I have a bad feeling about this. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Food fight! 
Wait! Hey, you in my class? I am today. I think you should consider transferring to shock class. Woo woo! Now, now, very few students are severely injured in shock class. Bueller. When you were in school. Bueller. Did you ever cut class? Bueller. Yeah, I guess I did. Sure, most kids cut classes. Good, sign this. Um, he's sick. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance oh, bell ring and all my kids are not here. Seven years of college down the drain. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, so. You lack discipline. As long as I'm here, there will be no grades or gold stars or demerits. We're gonna have recess all the time. Woo! Go, play and have fun now! Okay, folks, we are here on the playground at recess, and we are going to get ready to have some fun. So first off, I just wanted to make an announcement here that Haven Podcasts, which includes Then Is Now and The East Meets the West, is creating not only a Tee Public page where you can get cool merchandise, but also a Patreon page, and that's going to launch on July 1st. I'll have more details later about that in the show, and there will be def- different levels that you can donate to, and it's going to be fun. You'll have all kinds of goodies and stuff, so we'll fill you in on all that later, but I just wanted to make that announcement first here. All right, now, so for those who don't know, the film The Abominable Dr. Fibes, written by William Goldstein and starring Vincent Price, came out in 1971. And this year, we've been celebrating its 50th anniversary. So we're sort of doing a wrap-up of the Dr. Fibes 50th anniversary celebration, which happened last month on May 20th of 2020, and we're going to have a special discussion on that. Also, since it's Then Is Now's 50th episode, which is uh, kismet, I think, we're going to be having folks popping in throughout to join in the conversation. So we'll also be talking about horror and pop culture and just all kinds of fun stuff. It's going to be a very loose format today. Anything goes, you know, we can talk whatever we want. And I just want to say that right now, joining me are William Goldstein, the creator of The Abominable Dr. Fibes, and his son Damon Goldstein, who's been working with his dad on the Fibes novels and the upcoming third Fibes film, as well as Peter Fuller, who runs the Vincent Price Legacy UK, and Daniel Crowther from Lions of Legend podcast. So first of all, I just want to welcome everyone to the show. Thank you for having us. Thank Thank you. you, Roger. Good morning and thank you. Excellent. I am so honored to have all you guys here on the 50th episode of Then Is Now Podcast. And we're going to have a fun party here. So, um, Peter, since this is your first time on the show, can you tell us about who you are? Tell our listeners who you are and what you do with your Vincent Price Legacy UK pages? Yeah, I can do. Yeah, so I curate uh, uh, the Vincent Price Legacy UK. That was born out of the fact that uh, back in... Well, it's a long story, but like 2011, I attended the Vincentennial in St. Louis, Missouri, and where they were celebrating the uh, the 100th uh, anniversary of Vincent. And it was just such a wonderful, wonderful event. And uh, I met Victoria Price. And I said to her, I said, you know, I'd love to be able to replicate something like this in the UK. And she turned around to me and said, you know, my dad loved the UK. It was his second home. And so there in 2015, I then constructed a whole series of events, uh, five days, uh, filled with film location tours, presentations and, and whatnot. And uh, it all, it went beautifully. And since then, we've developed the Vincent Price legacy here in the UK. So, which where we, we basically continue Vincent's legacy in terms of all aspects of his, um, of his life, you know, through his films, his love of the culinary arts and his love of art itself. Um, so I do lots of like film location tours. I bring Victoria over and uh, we do lots of presentations together. We tour all around the country here 
um, delivering Vincent's legacy. And uh, so that's what I'm doing at the moment. And uh, my current project, which is like a, it's been a fantastic COVID project, is that I'm constructing, a, a, a creating a brand new cookbook. But I can talk about that later. Okay, great. And how did the Fibes 50th celebration come about? Because you sort of facilitated the whole thing, right? Yes, that's one of the things that uh, Victoria and I were doing during COVID, of course, is, is that because none of us could travel, uh, we, were, we were sad that we couldn't actually see everybody. So we developed something called Follow Spot Live, where basically we did Zoom sessions, which brought uh, Vincent Price fans together uh, to actually celebrate different things. So we did some fantastic stuff. We did a St. Valentine's Day. We did a cook-along. We did a, 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 some presentations of like different films. And because it was the 50th anniversary of Fives, we couldn't miss out on doing uh, a celebration about that. So we brought uh, uh, William Goldstein and Damon over, and uh, we brought in Carla Munro, who did some fantastic uh, uh, Q&As um, and chats with one-to-one -one, one -one chats with fans. And uh, she talked about her experiences on set and uh, with Vincent, which was great fun. Um, and also we had Justin Humphreys, who is the author of um, what I believe to be is the definitive, you know, um, uh, story to the production of both the Fibes films, uh, the Dr. Fibes Companion. So nice. it was great to have him on, on board. Excellent, excellent. So before we get into the actual, the um, Dr. Fibes 50th anniversary celebration, I just wanted to mention Daniel, Daniel Crowther, you are part of the Lions of Legend podcast, and you also hail from the UK. Uh, can you give us a little bit of information about your show? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, that's going to be, I'll be honest, Peter, that's going to be a, a difficult act to follow. <laughs> um, but Yes, uh, I run a, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, so very much within the um, fantasy genre. And uh, hopefully, wherever we can, we like to work in a bit of hammer horror for uh, our players to deal with. Um, and um, I think the the keyword you landed on, uh, Rigor, earlier was kismet. Um, yeah. I happened to be listening to the uh, the the fifty the uh, Fibes fifty episode um at the weekend and i think the very next day you messaged to mention that it was also your 50th episode and uh would i like to pop on and say hi and yeah kismet um fate Excellent. coincidence however you label it um it just felt perfect and yeah never never uh passed up on the opportunity to pop in and say hi Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, like I was telling my wife yesterday, I said, well, Destiny's calling and she's calling collect. So we better answer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. So um, in terms of the um, the 25th, uh, I'm sorry, the 50th wrap up of, you know, the celebration that you guys ha had, were there were there any changes for you in terms of the third movie coming up, William? Uh, yes. Uh, but before I talk about that, I want to ask Peter something in that well, two things one what's your cookbook specialty and two in your image that i'm looking at it looks like a world war ii radar tower is that correct or you are something? you are correct this is the monsal sea forts uh which i went to uh last weekend um they were they are disused uh world war ii uh radar units out in the kent coast um, we had a very, very special tour of that. Um, um, and they have featured in TV shows like uh, Danger Man, Doctor okay. Who, 
and uh, and we were very very privileged to get out there on a private tour. Well, they also won the Battle of Britain, uh, which <laughs> which uh, was, was touch and go for quite a while. So, listen, thanks for thanks for the look, and that's pretty heroic. Uh, to answer your question, uh, yes, uh, uh, Forever Fives uh, has two things. One, the second death geometry, which our fans seem to see as a requirement to the five story. Um, there was a line uh, early on after Abominable came out that uh, Anton Fives is no ordinary killer he has a method and in that picture was the b- biblical uh Gatak from from exodus uh in forever fives uh, no spoilers but we're using a similar classic uh tie-in uh, he's faced with a very worthy adversary and that makes it touch and go for quite a while the other thing that we're emphasizing uh and make a note of this because this is going to be a continuing story if we go into number four we're going to spend a lot of time with um, the wizards we saw glimpses of them in the first film Uh, they have since become the androbots they are creatures of fives making and there's a twist i won't give it away but there's a twist in the traditional puppet story which is one of the scariest things I've ever come upon. So stay tuned. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And uh, uh, P- this question is for Peter, Daniel, or Damon. I'm sorry, Peter, William, or Damon. Um, how was the, the 50th celebration received? We had a fantastic response. Uh, we had, it was, uh, we, we, we almost um, had like over 100 people, which was fantastic. Um, and, but we had so much uh, great, great uh, re- uh, response from everybody sort of saying this was just brilliant. We also had, um, I had actually put together, um, I had edited um, the film down to 10 minutes and actually just concentrated on the death sequences, which everybody loved. So basically yeah. it was death after death after death, which I thought was great. Yeah. Um, and we also just concentrated on Caroline's um, performances, uh, including that wonderful scene, that wonderful shot where Vincent actually just like does the dial tone on, on the phone, on the organ, and you've got her little picture. Nice. That's awesome. Beautiful picture. Yes. And, and Daniel, I wanted to ask you, um, are you a Vincent Price fan? And had you seen uh, the abominable Dr. Fibes? Uh, I will uh, admit to potentially consternation and I'll apologize now that I hadn't seen uh, Dr. Fibes before Um, price. Yes. Obviously where I think like, um, a lot of people of my generation, my first exposure was actually through um, Michael Jackson's thriller. Okay. Right. Um, and that iconic laughter that you get with it that lends that uh, that signature horror feel to it. Right. Um, right. I, I did actually have a question, if you, you don't mind, Rachel, and I'm not sure whether it's yourself, William, or Damon, who's best. Um, and apologies, you may need to bleep this bit out. But oh, please, no. you've mentioned <laughs> in the previous episode about taking inspiration for the upcoming stuff from um, some of Hieronymus Bosch's work. And I've, I had a query there because with some of the stuff we do with the podcast, I do try and look at 
existing works, but I was wondering how you deal with the creative approach to using works like that that are so famous and so well-known, making them your own, but still somehow doing credit to the original. How, uh, how do you creatively approach pieces like that? <laughs> I'll answer that right away. First of all, give credit. You have to give credit to the creator, to the writer, to the painter. So you give credit, and that's most important. Secondly, uh, those works are in the public domain. So one of the things uh, that later uh, chroniclers, writers, uh, so forth come across is is the question of, of copyright or uh, other proprietary uh, rules and lawsuits. So <laughs> you don't want that and public domain. <laughs> Uh, public domain is is uh, is very important. So, yeah, the, to answer to answer your question, by all means, uh, and I you know, you know they're there to use, and writers tend to be lazy. Uh, we borrow, steal, and and uh, take uh, as much as we can to save work for ourselves. But that stuff is there to use. And there's one other, and this is this is big. When you're using, uh, for example, I'm I'm using the Taj Mahal and in another story so that's there it's global um, it draws uh, potential readers book buyers and film goers to it so it's basically it's free publicity and <laughs> right. uh, that, that, that sounds that sounds churlish and it is but it's it's there to use and you know yourself without an audience without selling tickets you can't pay your rent, so it's, it's pretty simple. But credit, first first and foremost, credit where credit is due. Yeah, that's right. excellent. And Thank then you. there's also the Creative Commons lens that you can that you can utilize other content. Uh, again, it's all it's all got to be a public domain. But uh, if you put the Creative Commons, there's some wording, there's some language there, which We've included in our videos, I've produced quite a few Dr. Fives uh, book videos and trailers and used a lot of content through that Creative Commons. Uh, it's kind of a bylaw um, for utilizing public domain content. It can be songs, it can be images, it can be anything. Right, right. And when Damon, when I helped you, when I made that video for you, I definitely used uh, royalty free music on that. Right, exactly. So in terms of um, now, so now Forever Fives, is that the official title of the third film? Yes, it is. Yes. It is. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. And we're confirmed that Malcolm McDowell has been cast in the role of Fives, which, first of all, I think is amazing. I think I, I couldn't imagine anyone else playing Fives other than Vincent Price. And m when you said Malcolm McDowell the first time I had you guys on the show, I was like blown away. Like, why didn't I even think of that, you know, in terms of <laughs> modern actors? Um, can you talk about any other kind of casting that you've done or is that still under wraps? It's still under wraps only because we're we're in the middle of negotiations right now so there's been there's been uh uh quite a few confidential conversations so uh, essentially the rest of the cast is is uh, still to be determined but it will be determined through uh the actual uh process of of putting the project together 
and getting it started. Right, right. It's so amazing. I mean, especially with the books you guys have done, you've really expanded what I like to call the Fibes verse in terms of the backstory and stuff that's happening between the films and after the films, you know? Thank you for that, Rigor. That's exactly been our focus is to keep the keep a thread, a common thread throughout all of the media, if you will, all of our venues, our books, uh, the movie, the screenplays, uh, we have a blog page, so um, and 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 our YouTube channel where we have all those videos that I mentioned, and those are there. We've, we've just provided those for our fans so that they, uh, if they need a refresher course or if they just like the one you you produced with us, uh, Rigor, the it goes over each book, uh, including the the most recent, the Andrew Bots. And uh, talks about Forever Five. So we've put that content out there. Our fans have really responded to it. You, you, uh, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, you were a little surprised. You didn't think of Malcolm. Uh, the fact of it is that uh, it was a chance meeting. Uh, my wife and I were walking in Santa Monica and, and uh, up pulls this limousine. Uh, which was rare enough in Santa Monica, but out comes uh, this gentleman with the, with, the, with the bright white hair. And, and my wife immediately says, that's Malcolm McDowell. Go talk to him. She, I mean, it was her idea, really. She's just, <laughs> she says, just talk to him about fives. And I happen to have uh, some, some uh, recent business cards that uh, for forever fives, we had just formed our LLC and, and uh, so I had those out and at her prodding, I went over quickly to him because he was, he was by now walking pretty quickly to, to uh, whatever building he was going into. Uh, and, and I said, you know, excuse me and introduced myself really quickly. Uh, and I loved his work early on in Lucky Man and, and of course, Clockwork Wizards, I mean, Clockwork Orange. Uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, and he's it stopped him down, you know. Oh, lucky man! He says that was a long time ago. <laughs> and then I said, "Well, um, I'm, you know, I've got a project I really would like to talk to you about. It's, it's the Doctor Fives project. Do uh, you remember the abominable Doctor Fives?" And and uh, that really piqued his interest. And in, in, and he said, uh, "Oh yes, oh yes, uh, <laughs> um, love that film." And it was just a brief little conversation but he said to get in touch with my manager he gave me his manager's name and uh and we'll talk well fast forward uh, about a month month and a half we had we had connected with the manager sent him the script and we met malcolm and his manager in santa monica for lunch and signed him up right there it was it was my dad our agent myself and and uh and malcolm and his and his manager and we had a lovely time he's a very gracious gentleman and and actually made us feel or made me feel like you know we've known each other a long time that's great great listener and had great things to say so he really enjoyed the script he thinks it's a wonderful script and he's all in He's all in. He's still all in. That was uh, 2015, uh, roughly. Wow. That we signed him on. So, 
So the pieces have been long in coming together, uh, uh, but it's about average. Well, you know, if you really look in to the timetable for most films, you ask anybody really, and they'll tell you, yeah, I've been doing this. I've been trying to get this film made for 10 years, you know, so we're a little <laughs> bit, a little bit uh, maybe ahead of schedule in, in, in terms of a 10 year effort, but, but uh, nonetheless, we're, we're undaunted and we're, we're really as close as we've ever been. We're closer than we've ever been to putting this uh, together and getting, and getting Dr. Fives back up on the screen. That's great. That's great. And you know, it's, it's great to have someone like Malcolm McDowell because, you know, and I think we touched upon this the last time you guys were on the show is that, you know, it used to be in any given year, you were guaranteed a, a Christopher Lee, a Peter Cushing, a Vincent Price movie would come out. And we kind of don't have those horror icons anymore. There, there are some, but there aren't many. I interviewed one guy named Bill Oberst Jr., who is basically, you know, considered a modern horror icon, and he totally agreed with me on that. That you don't have people that have embraced that role in life as those guys did. And, and so, speaking of Vincent Price, who of course is iconic, and and Daniel, you mentioned that you know, of course, his voice in the Thriller video is just undeniable. Um, after you had heard him in Thriller, had you seen him in other stuff? Did you start to recognize who he was and catch his movies when they were on TV? Yeah, he, he's he's one of those, I think, rightly alongside the list of names you've got there, the likes of Christopher Lee as well. It's His acting style, his voice, his approach was so, I think, uniquely his that even amongst that group of actors, he still stood out. And I think you're right. In terms of horror, you don't really have that group anymore. Um, I think just quickly on the Malcolm McDowell one, I think that's phenomenal because um, <laughs> I think he's one of those actors who has just had a fantastic career and never seems to dip. Um, and it's also it, it's really nice to hear that one of those people who you always assume is a really nice guy then turns out to be a really nice guy. It's always you know, <laughs> quite uh, quite reassuring. Um, right. So, yeah, and he, he's one, yeah, Clockwork Orange, I'd have started seeing him in, but he's he's also in um, recent Netflix Castlevania, so still keeping up with some of that horror gig as well on uh, on the Netflix shows too. Oh, I yeah. checked that out, yes. That's, a, that's an animated show. Yeah, it is, exactly, yeah. So he's doing the doing the voiceovers on that, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, good correct. Stuff. Yes. And good animation. Yeah, it's it's really top quality stuff. They've put a they've put a lot of money into the production of it, and I think it goes to show if um, you know purely just for voice, they're getting someone of Ma Malcolm McDowell's caliber in to do that. So uh, yeah, I think that that's a fantastic get for him in a in your film. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Yeah, ca uh, Castlevania. It's uh I only watched the one episode really quickly, so but yes, it's gotten some high acclaim and in fact it I think it won some uh, several awards already. So that's a that's a hot new one. And he, Malcolm is just he's just a workhorse. He loves to work. And why, why wouldn't you, if you're Malcolm McDowell, I, uh, he's, <laughs> oh yeah, he's, uh, 
he's been very, he's been consistent, as you said, Daniel, he's been consistently busy. I think he's busier now than he's, than he's been in the last 10 years, really. Oh, yeah. And he definitely did a great job in, um, I don't know if you guys happen to catch Rob Zombie's remake of the movie Halloween, where he replaced the Donald Pleasance character as Dr. Loomis. And again, right. it was a situation where only Malcolm McDowell could replace Donald Pleasance, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, and, and it's so true, you know, and it, that's the thing. We've, we've gone through several, obviously, we've gone through several iterations with with the, with the story since 71 and, and all these different uh, scripts and so on and so forth. And so we've had different actors of their time, you know, uh, targeted for, for the reprisal of the role, the Dr. Anton's role. And, right. and we, you know, all along it's been, it's been two camps. It's been, the camp of Vincent Price slash Dr. Fives. I mean, he, look, he made Dr. Fives who he is. Uh, and, you know, just like Frankenstein, you can't, you can't replace uh, Lon Chaney. You can't do it. Right. Okay. So, but they have, and there've been some reprisals and some of them have been good and some of them bad. As soon as we mentioned Malcolm McDowell as, as the new Dr. Fives, People loved it. Uh, there was there was uh, a time where we actually were in contact with Johnny Depp, and that didn't go over well at all. <laughs> People didn't like that idea. Yeah. I so agree. so you have so you have the purists. Oh no, you know no one but Vincent Price. But they were won over by Malcolm, and but not by Johnny Depp. So the new fans would have loved Johnny Depp, but the old fans wouldn't. The new fans love Malcolm, and so did the old fans. So we're we're batting a thousand with Malcolm, and thanks thanks so much for uh, talking about it because he is the he is the the the, the lead on this. He's he's at the forefront of our package, um, and and our proposal to. Uh, uh, to pitch the film, so we're all behind him, and we're so we're so fortunate to have him in. So spread the word, um, uh, and I know already the fans have just received him with with open arms. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and in talking a little while ago about Vincent Price, Peter, didn't you have a um, a recent uh, event? With Vincent about Vincent Price, was it like a murder mystery? And I don't know if that if, if that already happened or if it has yet to happen. No, uh, because of uh, situations, we've actually uh, we're doing that now in uh, November, so oh. it'll be a murder mystery thing. But uh, yeah, that's still in the works to be developed. Oh, okay, and can you at least tell us the basic concept of it? Well, basically, what it is is that uh, we do. It's a bit like a scavenger hunt. Uh, and it'll be for charity, um, and it'll be for an American charity. Um, and basically, you actually have groups of people who join together on Zoom, and you become either you're either a, a victim or a prosecutor. And it's all set on a vineyard, um, and it's all it, it's all about um, a bit like House on Haunted Hill, as the premise, um, but it's set in a in a vineyard. Um, mm. But uh, we are doing that later in the year, so that will be 
we're, we're still working it out at the moment. Nice, nice. Hey, folks. I just wanted to take a minute here to tell you about the hosting service that we use at Haven Podcasts, podserve.fm. Podcast hosting has never been easier. They do all the work to get your podcast on Apple Podcasts and other major podcast networks. They help you navigate the podcasting world, whether you're brand new or have years of experience. Folks, I can't tell you how happy I am with their service. When I first started this podcast, I searched around intensely for the right hosting platform. I found PodServe and used their simple four-step process, and in a short amount of time, my podcasts were on the internet and available through all the major podcast networks. And their customer support is unreal. Every time I goof things up and make a mistake, like uh, posting the wrong show to the wrong feed, I email them, and I kid you not, within minutes I get a response and the problem is resolved. And they're the only podcasting host that actually helps you get listeners. Other podcast hosts stop at Podcast Upload and don't help promote your podcast. Well, PodServe makes sure your podcast is seen by thousands of people. The promotion is free, and they put you on PodParadise.com, which has over 5,000 visits a day from avid podcast listeners and is growing every day. Each day, Pod Paradise selects five podcasts to spotlight on their front page. Maybe yours could be there soon. PodServe's pricing is simple. Only 19 bucks a month. That's it. No tiered pricing platform, just one low fee. For 19 bucks a month, you get unlimited storage, unlimited podcasts, free podcast promotion, your podcasts on all platforms, detailed download analytics, one-on-one customer support. You pay month to month, and you can cancel at any time. And when you sign up, you get 14 days free. You don't even have to give them your credit card. I love their service so much, I put a reminder in my phone to add my credit card when the 14 days was almost up. I couldn't give them my 19 bucks fast enough. I'm telling you, I, I really didn't believe it until I actually signed up and saw my podcasts on everything from iTunes to Stitcher and Spotify and more in a ridiculously short amount of time. So if you've got a podcast and you don't have a hosting platform, I highly recommend podserve.fm. Check them out. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And um, so, William, do you have any more Dr. Fibes books in the works or any more expansion of the universe? I'm wrapping up number seven. And uh, it's, uh, it's a departure. I'm not going to give the title because it, it's, uh, it's different. Uh, it covers uh, very, in very much detail uh, his work with the Androbots. And again, touches on something uh, very intimate as far as puppetry goes. Um, and there's danger in it. It's set all across America with a, uh, a visit to Amsterdam. I'm going to uh, ask a couple of questions while we're at it. Uh, there are references 
in this book and in others to John Keegan's work. Are you familiar with him? I am not. Daniel? No, I'm afraid not. He's a military historian and a brilliant writer. He he taught at Sandhurst, uh, guest lectured here uh, at West Point, um, recently died. But he has written the definitive history of the First World War. His, his language is glorious, uh, poetic, but extremely detailed. He does a lot of uh, the the most research, uh, most documented uh, of any historical writing I've ever read. And I use him, of course, I give credit to him as well. I use him uh, quotes uh, throughout. Uh, one <laughs> one uh, 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 thread in this news story is... Uh, is the uh, Hundred Years' War. Uh, um, and uh, I take character, real people from that, uh, and I use them. Uh, there is also oh, one of the characters in this story is a Yorkshire Terrier <laughs> who's called the <laughs> little dog. But the Yorkshire Terrier uh, has a big mind and has a very expansive outlook and uh, has a lot to say about the cosmos. Anyway, I won't go into a lot of detail, but England and John Keegan are extremely well represented in the story. Uh, It is a horror story, uh, so stay tuned. It will be number seven. Damon has started the new nomenclature, so it's the Fives Cult Classic Series. And now this one will be book two of the Dr. Fives Manifest. Um, stay tuned and hold on to your seats because it's, <laughs> it's a rough ride. Excellent. Excellent. And I, I just wanted to go around the group here um, in terms of talking about Fives. Aside from the abominable Dr. Fives, um, does anyone have a favorite one or two uh, Vincent Price movies? And uh, Daniel, we'll start with you. Oh, um... <laughs> Wow, on the spot, straight out of the door. <laughs> um, I'm going to be a bit cheeky and cheat, and I'm going to fall back on um, animated works again. Because, and again, this is going to seem, it might seem quite silly and when you look at the, the scape of the, the breadth of his, his work, but um, one of the first times I remember hearing it after thriller was he actually did a stint of episodes um as as you'd expect in scooby goo scooby doo sorry yeah um and it was always completely inescapable whenever you heard vincent price's voice coming out of a character in scooby doo you knew instantly that right there's the bad guy we can call the show here because we found him (laughs) um but yeah he did a run of um uh, a mini, a mini TV series. Um, yeah, wasn't where... that the the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo? Yes, yeah, spot on. Wow, bonus points for knowing the name as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm going to uh, cheat again slightly and fall back on animated works. But um, that was uh, one of my favourites as well, by the way, Daniel. <laughs> fantastic. Well, yeah, very early doors for me. But um, again, that voice, even coming out of a, an animated character, was just uh, was just perfect for the horror vibe. 
Well, didn't they actually use uh, a Dr. Fives character or, or in Scooby-Doo? They... Yes, they did. In the later episodes, he does appear. And that's Vincent's voice, obviously. No, no, Vincent had long passed uh, by then. But then they've resurrected uh, the character of uh, Vincent Van Gogh from Scooby-Doo in subsequent episodes of, of Scooby-Doo, with a, with a, obviously with a different characterization, But the character continues on. Uh, but, yeah, there is one episode of Scooby-Doo, which also, also, I believe, has other characters from Vincent's career, I think, like The Fly or something else. Oh, interesting. I see. But that might be the Rob Zombie film I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah it's, it's a lot of work to, to look through and... and, and cross-reference uh, my favorite probably would be the fly it's funny you mentioned that because vincent really you know he's he was kind of an understated actor in that he was always so calm and in control or his characters were right and i have to imagine he was like that in in real life uh and he loved living life um and he loved to act i i it just came off the screen that way so as far as iconic roles that I could point to Vincent and knowing at least those roles, that would be my favorite. Uh, although I did see the pit and the pendulum for the first time. And that was, uh, it was better than I had really thought it could be. So that was interesting. Right. Right. It was such oh. a short story, hard to adapt into a, you know, hour and a half feature. On, right. Um, the, the one so just quickly on the one damon you mentioned um the fly we, we were talking a bit earlier about iconic characters then being recast and how you can't recast the likes of frankenstein easily um how do you think the fly then handled that with um jeff goldblum then stepping in when, uh, not when real uh, i'm not a there? yeah i may step on some toes here but i'm not a huge <laughs> fan of of uh <laughs> Cronenberg. of that actor uh i'm just not and so i didn't really like it um the makeup and the special effects were phenomenal but again they they pushed it too far the original fly that was that was horrific enough uh, uh and they t they took the fly in the new one that uh, uh, the makeup and everything and just made it as disgusting as possible so <laughs> It, 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 it definitely shifted towards that um, the the gornography that you see so popular these days instead. Well, and that was the yeah, 80s. That, that was that was. I just want to say that was Cronenberg, David Cronenberg, the director, and his thing was body horror. All his movies deal with body horror of some kind. Right, and so yeah, I'm not trying to uh, step on toes or knock the effort, um, but for remakes or or you know changing of the guard for the for the lead actor. <clears throat> no, I don't think Jeff Goldblum did. I don't think he even came close to the original and Vincent Price. Not at all. I think it's um, something of a similar parallel to uh, you mentioned the response to Johnny Depp in that I think right. it's the same for the two of them where the actors are so big and have such a standard acting approach through all their films, I think it's probably fair to say that uh, you couldn't watch it without being fully aware that rather than it being the character, you're watching the actor. So uh, the immersion disappears somewhat. Right. I, th I think so. I think that's right. I think that's uh, accurately uh, spotted there. So, 
Right. And I, I'm going to say, yeah. you know, I think everyone obviously is entitled to their opinion. And I, um, I'm i kind of on the other <laughs> side of the fence, although I'm not I'm not the type that generally loves remakes. Like I, I do love John Carpenter's The Thing, which you could argue is a reimagining of the source novel rather than the original movie. I did enjoy mm-hmm. the remake of The Fly only because it kind of brought it into the to the modern times and yeah okay it was part of that whole 80s gore crowd and i can see i can see your point exactly damon why you know what you didn't like about the movie and i totally understand that i know wouldn't necessarily personally compare johnny depp to jeff goldblum only because at the time jeff goldblum wasn't as huge a star as johnny depp is now and there was this thing Johnny Depp said a, a while ago that really it, it just turned me off he said he was like well I'm not taking my he like he lives in France I guess with his family he's like I'm not taking my kid back to America till they stop their barbaric ways, and my reaction was well then stop taking our money at the box office because I'm not going to any any more of your films yeah you know you can't have it both ways <laughs> yeah he's he's turned his audience off on him uh, Johnny Depp is you know he was he was at, at his peak he really was box box office uh, guarantee oh yeah and. And uh, he kind of, you know, stuck up his nose at that, which is curious. Why even, why even become an actor if you're going to? And also, uh, you have you have the latest uh, problems with Johnny, with um, you know, certain allegations about domestic abuse. Oh yeah, yeah. right, yeah, right. And then that's a you turn off too. So, and rightly so. And people, people just don't want to even hear about that. Now, I've got a funny story about about The Fly, not the movie The Fly, but I kept quoting the film, the original film. When Whenever we saw a fly, my, it was like my wife and I and, and my grandson. I have a four-year-old grandson that we take care of. And I would always say in the Vincent Price voice, you know, oh, he's got the murderous brain of a fly. And a fly got in the house, and my grandson damn near had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, he's he's not going to kill you. I was just quoting the movie, you know. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Well, it, the ending, you know, that that's haunted me for years. I still have uh, nightmares with that little little tiny voice. <laughs> Help me! Help me! And that you know, and it's all it's still all over the internet, and people post it and have little gifs of uh, of it and. <laughs> I think that's what it, so. that's why it actually outstays is because it's iconic, isn't it? That image at the end exactly. is one yeah. of the most iconic sci-fi moments of the 1950s. Exactly. Right, right. And now I did like the twist in the, the Son of the Fly where Philippe, not only did they switch heads, the fly and the human, but they, they kept their brains. So when he was the fly, he's going, help me, I'm Philippe, I'm Philippe. So he could, <laughs> you know, he could speak. And that was creepy to me too as a kid. <laughs> right it was very creepy that original film is just hugely creepy you you didn't want to ever turn into a fly so i mean that was <laughs> that was frightening enough that'll put people uh running into the streets right. like they're on fire <laughs> so william do you have a a one or two favorite vincent price movies uh one of them is is sublime uh the ten commandments uh he's pharaoh's engineer yeah and we see him we see him with his whip uh uh taking care of the slackers who are moving the 50 ton diorite blocks 
but his voice there, uh, that signature voice came out, came out, and uh, the picture itself every every uh, Easter and Passover it plays. It still draws crowds oh, yeah. as an audience. But that's to me that's one of his uh, uh, trademark performances. Um, other than that, uh, I'm going to shift slightly since we're talking about odd horror characters. Uh, the fly is one of them in that little voice. Uh, the other is, does the name Kaiser Suze mean anything? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we never see, we never see him, but we certainly hear about him and the horror that he creates. So there's there's an example again of of horror, and again, uh, you know, it's 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 the scariest moments are in your imagination, and Kaiser Soze and 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 the fly's voice are pretty scary, pretty scary indeed. Oh yeah. yeah. One other thing, one other thing, gentlemen. Let me let me. We're talk, we're talking about impact of of what you have done in the recent podcast damon has set us up now several several uh, facebook pages and uh, he made one for me and in the last two weeks uh, very modest 200 250 likes uh, steady in, in my page it has bumped up now sevenfold now there's 1400 uh, wow why and who I can only attribute to your excellent work and and your reach. But oh, thank you, you have certainly pumped up. So hats off to 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 you, Peter, especially and Roger, uh, Mr. Crowther. I don't know you that well, but I I I'm, I'm going to credit you for having been part of this enormous uh, <laughs> outpouring of interest in in things fives on my Facebook page. Uh, I won't mention your name to these people because, of, as you know, once you're once you're out there, you're you're fair game. But but you have you have mathematically speaking, you've done one hell of a job. So keep up the good work. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. And so, Peter, do you have a a favorite Vincent Price film or, or two? Um, well, it's very difficult because you know Vincent's career actually spanned over fifty years in every genre. You know, a lot of people actually sort of say, oh, he's a horror actor, but in fact he's not. He's a versatile actor who did so much over so many years. Um, so I have a real problem. I have to actually say, oh, what's his favourite horror performance? What's his favourite comedy performance? What's his favourite, you know? Right. So I would, are, have yeah. to say, I would have to say for me is, is that um, his favourite comedy performance uh, was Champagne for Caesar. Um, and which is one of my favourites as well. And if you've seen it, it's like one of the best satires on on consumerism. Huh. Um, it's way ahead of its time. Um, but of course, uh, deep down in my heart is uh, I, the one I watch over and over again is called Theatre of Blood because that actually that just like nails every single thing that he did in his horror career. You know, in terms of like, you know, overarching theatrical performances um, and being and also bookends his fantastic sort of madman roles. So I've got two films, really. 
Nice, nice. And I have to but say, I want to say oh, there's one thing I want to say oh, is William is also, I love the Ten Commandments, uh, him as backup, okay. because I always recite one thing all the time. As soon as it, every time we actually watch Ten Commandments, which we watch every Easter, yeah. I always like have to say, I go, you see me drive my chariot. I can flick a fly from the horse's ear without breaking the rhythm of his stride. my <laughs> 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 That's awesome. <laughs> I love that scene. That's so cool. Yeah, such a great movie. Oh, man. So, yeah, so for me personally, like, all right, so I grew up in the 70s, and I, um, you know, I, I can't tell which came first, the Vince, for me, the Vincent Price movies or the TV shows, because I know for a fact that my friends and I would talk about him and Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee on the playground, and... And I distinctly remember him from like his appearance on two episodes of the Brady Bunch, and you know, like like um, you guys had said, you know, the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, and his voice was so distinct. We had another show from Canada called um, the Hilarious House of Frightenstein that aired here early mornings, and it was kind of a kids' show, horror host. There was monsters, and Vincent Price did the opening host segment. And so I always kind of knew who he was growing up, whether it was that or his films on like in Boston, we had Creature Double Feature or on the late night shows. But it wasn't until I'm going to say I was in my early 20s and I worked at a blockbuster video and I rented a movie of his that I hadn't heard of called The Haunted Palace. And that after I saw that, that fast became my favorite Vincent Price film, because even though in the credits they they listed as an Edgar Allan Poe story, it is not. It's a H.P. Lovecraft story. Um, and it's based on the Lovecraft story called The Case of Charles Dexter Ward. And there's a scene in it where a, t- the character of Dexter Ward ends up being reincarnated in Vincent Price. And he does this turn and th- like the camera's sort of revolving around him and you see him kind of going through this kind of change. But it's not physical. It's all mental. And from there, he's a completely different character. And that made me love him and love his range as an actor because he could completely turn from being one kind of a guy, a nice, normal person, into this sort of really evil, kind of nasty Dexter Ward. It was just really... That, to me, is my favorite Vincent Price film. Yeah, that's a perfect, perfect one. That's a great one. Yeah. And also, yeah. it, uh, I, it was one of the ones I actually probably one of the only films of Vincent where I actually became quite disturbed by his character. Yeah. Unlike, um, especially that scene where he actually basically sexually assaults his wife. Oh yeah. That's right. You know, Deborah Padgett. There's a bit where it's like, you know, uh, it's your turn. Uh, It's like, it was horrible. It's horrible. Oh yeah. Roger, you just, uh, you just sprung something Tom to me. Is, is it also is I, you know, even though um, those are the two films that I actually selected as my favourites, is is that I actually started watching Vincent like you on TV because you know we were all quite young, and the Brady Bunch was one of the first things I ever saw as well. Right, right. right. And my parents, as a kid, uh, took me to see they at uh, one of the um, I think it was at the Orson Welles Theater in Boston. Um, they played the the House of Wax in 3D. And I, th- I think at that point you know, I was probably ten, and I knew who Vincent Price was then. But that was such fun. Mm-hmm. Well, he did. You know, he has that whole other career as film noir, uh, bad guy, uh, and and he's he's in several notable films, film film noir films. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. Laura is one of his best yes. films. Again, where yeah. he's playing a, a, a you know a, a Shelby Carpenter. 
you know, basically he was basically a male prostitute, you know. So. Right. I mean, Dragon Wick is really good. Dragon Wick is absolutely brilliant. I mean, I can't believe I watched that uh, just uh, two days ago again, and it still impresses how, just how horrible he is. He, it's <laughs> all about domestic abuse. You know, yeah. it's all about, you know, just his, because, he, he, you know, he's a drug addict, you know, yeah. and uh, the whole the whole patriotic patriarchal society that uh, you know it, you know uh, that bring and uh, makes women actually like less than uh, than servants it's uh, it's a great film great film to watch oh yeah yeah so i wanted to ask all you guys since i have you all here growing up those of us who grew up in america that would be you know damon and william and myself we you know we had in various major markets we had whether it would be some kind of a creature feature in the daytime on like a Saturday or a Sunday. And then we had a lot of late night horror TV, either horror TV hosts or just, they would just show horror movies at night. And that's sort of, at least for, I could speak for myself, is that sort of where I was fed all these movies growing up. And so in the UK for, for Daniel and Peter, um, did you guys have that sort of thing? I mean, uh, yeah. All right. So back in the seventies, we only had about five channels. You know, three networks and two UHF channels. But you guys only had a few too. You had the BBC, right? Yeah. I mean, um, Peter, you you may know more than me on this one. In in terms Daniel, of Daniel, go first because um, I'm actually Australian, so I've got a long story. For okay. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, from my point of view, um, we. I grew up in the 90s and we didn't really have that kind of horror anchor that I know that we've just dis discussed before, Igor. Yeah. I think um, it shows to the extent the first thing I remember seeing akin to that was um, Tales from the Crypt, which was um, an HBO classic. So, um, yeah, the, the closest we got to that was when um, some of the American TV uh, started to make its way across to the UK um, mid nineties, I think late nineties. Um, I remember seeing that, but no, I don't think we really had the concept of a uh, a horror host. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, and so Peter, what about you in Australia? Well, basically, I grew up in country Western Australia, and because uh, um, I was, I'll tell you, I was born in sixty four. Um, we had one channel um, and it was done by a power generator, which we actually watched after, you know, in, you know, only once every evening. And then when we, when we moved to the Perth to uh, the city, we ended up having three channels. Um, however, uh, it wasn't until about really 1979 that uh, we ended up having basically um, AIP had sold a whole, basically their whole back catalogue of their films to Australia. And all of a sudden we had double bills of horror films um, every Tuesday night. And basically they were all Vincent Price films. <laughs> so you would actually have <laughs> Tumalajia plus, you know, Pit and the Pendulum. Um, and then sometimes on a Saturday or a Sunday, you would actually have something like Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. So all of a sudden, <laughs> I, there was all these films actually happening. Now, at the same time, is um, I have to tell you a story. Is is that um, uh, I was um, I went to school one day, and I found a cassette, you know, like an old you know tape cassette yeah. on the ground on the way to school. And when I got home, I played it, and it was Alice Cooper's "Welcome to My Nightmare," <laughs> and all 
all of a sudden I heard this voice on the Black Widow and I'm going, I've recognised that voice. Now, where have I heard that from? <laughs> and, of course, you know, having watched the Brady Bunch, Get Smart, you know, Voice Bomb C, F Troop, I thought, hey, it's that guy I keep seeing on TV. Yeah. And <laughs> now this is That's the most funny. serendipitous moment is, is that one day I was actually down uh, at the newsagent and there was in uh, there was in the magazine because I used to I started uh, collecting um, famous monsters of filmland, and oh yeah, there was also this America uh, this British magazine called World of Horror, number seven, and it was called it had it had inside Vincent Price, so I bought it, and all of a sudden I discovered there was this chap who was actually doing all of this you know all this stuff, and it was the same voice. It was the same person. I'm going, I'm fascinated by this. And then when these double bills came on, I just became an instant fan because, you know, he had the voice. He had uh, some, he was so charismatic on, on screen. He could be scary. He could be funny. And I just thought, Vincent Price, you are my hero. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, speaking of those early days, who saw, who, remembers him as Egghead in the Batman, Batman. TV yep. series. I, I meant to mention that and I forgot. <laughs> well, I pulled that one out from under you there. <laughs> going, but, uh, uh, I beat you to it. But, uh, excellent. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> and, and he hammed it up. But it, that's the thing about Vincent. His process just pulled you in and made you believe in the character. And and that's all you needed. He he. If you gave him even a, a quick, short look, uh, you, you were you were all caught up in it because that's all he needed to, to uh, draw you in. Oh, yeah. I must admit is that I, I I said I've said this to Victoria, his daughter. I said, okay, you know, thank you to your dad because he only selected those those roles on TV because he wanted to do something for his kids, who you know basically were our age at the time, sort of thing. So. Uh, thankfully, right. he did that because otherwise we would never have seen him on TV. You know? Right, right. I mean, I remember seeing him on an episode of The Mod Squad. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, he's not on The Mod Squad. Yeah, he was. I just watched it recently oh, with my wife. Yes, of course. Yes, he is. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. High, you know, is that the time for hyacinths? That's right. Yes, yeah. yeah. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio. Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic monsters, modern talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster, monster Kid Radio! We come from the retro future. We want you to be nostalgic for what's to come. A new channel and distribution network for smart people with bad taste featuring content from... 
Church of the Subgenius, Creature Features, Cinema Insomnia, Sleazy P. Martini and Guar, Troma, Corey Maccabee, Horror, Sci-Fi, Saturday Morning Cartoons, Midnight Movies, and Assorted Trash We Love. Add our channel OSI 74 to your Roku player or visit OSI74.com. All systems go. So good. So, Damon, in, in terms of your growing up and, and either in the movies or watching, you know, horror shows on TV, what did you have that exposed you to all these things? Well, certainly uh, we had we had a, a TV show called Creature Feature uh, in San Francisco. Oh, was that with Bob? Wilkins? And there was a. Yeah. And he I thought he was local to San Francisco at the time. Uh, but that's really all I looked into to the host of the show. Uh, but I, I would watch that regularly. And then just the, I grew up in the sixties, so I'm, I'm very close to, uh, your experience, uh, Peter, but nevertheless, th that's where I got my exposure. And I, you know, seeing television go from black and white to color, that was the, that was the era that I, I really watched TV and was exposed to any of these films uh, and, and seen some of them in, you know, I went to the premiere in San Francisco for the Bottle Dr. Fives right. at age 13. So, yes. and I, I got to bring all my friends uh, from the, from the, from the block. Uh, there was a lot of, a lot of uh, young kids on the block we lived on uh, all good friends and took them down host, you know, hosted this, the, the, the premiere of the film for them. We all, I remember it. There's a huge theater back then. They were huge. Uh, the movie houses, really. Oh, yeah. Uh, with a lot of the Art Deco or even uh, or even Art Nouveau interiors, uh, the concession stands. It just was all, you know, this was all uh, high-end entertainment. And so showing up and, uh, you know, my dad being the one and my godfather, Jim Whiten, being the ones to, to, to write the screenplay and see their names up there on the screen. I mean, <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you really can't ask for anything more. I've been so fortunate. And, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to bore anybody, but it really was a dream come true for me. Uh, ever since then, um, watching, watching the process, my dad meeting with Jim, uh, Jim would come up and visit us uh, in San Francisco from Los Angeles, and they would they would talk story. Jim loved to talk story. He had a whole other slew of characters that he he carried around uh, these specific stories about them, uh, and they were they were scary stuff. I mean, he would he would uh, get my dad to let my brother and I stay up late. Uh, just to hear his stories and they would scare the heck out of us. I mean, I'm not kidding. So it's no wonder the two of them, uh, you know, came up with, with, uh, the, the fingers of Dr. Pibe slash fives that, that really, uh, did it for me as a kid. And then, and then to, to actually experience it, go, go to the movie theater which I love movies. I mean, that was the whole thing, right? As a kid, you got to go to the movies. Oh, yeah. Even in, even during school, you know, if if the teacher would show us a movie, something like Great Expectations, 
or or up the down staircase or uh, the red balloon. I mean, that, right. those were special days, right? I oh, mean, yeah. who can forget the red balloon? Right. <laughs> I, I mean, that's one of my all-time favorite films, great films. So going down to Market Street in San Francisco with the whole gang uh, to see the Bonneville Dr. Fives, I tell you, nothing like it. So that's my huge memory of, uh, of a kid and of, uh, of being a kid, being the, the son of Dr. Fives, essentially. I feel... I feel practically related to uh, to Victoria, and uh, I, you know I hope I don't offend her by saying that, Peter. But uh, <laughs> I do. I feel that way. Especially... I'm sure she welcome you into the family. Well, listen to this. I mean, just a quick little aside. So there are quite a few similarities. She, um, she some of you may may know this or or not. I'm sure you do, Peter, but uh, she's a she's a designer also. She's an interior designer and she she has uh, her own design company in uh, what is it, New Mexico or is it? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's all around. It's all around now sort of thing. So, yeah. So so I'm an interior designer as well. Uh, so it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of funny because through I have a couple other pages on Facebook, namely my design page, the Jag Design, and and so I'm I'm all into the, the contacts of the design world, and I saw some of her original posts. This is dating back before Vincentennial, uh, which is all pretty much where I started getting really involved with the social media and helping my dad get get his name out there and you know, as the creator of Dr. Fives and getting Dr. Fives Facebook pages set up. So uh, it's just really kind of interesting that I, not only did I see her uh, early on in the design world, uh, social media, uh, and that we share that, but then to see how she's trans transformed herself really and become a huge horror fan uh, and a fan of her father's horror body of work uh, and now sp especially teaming up with you Peter for the Vincent Price Legacy UK I think it's great I think uh, it's really kept the fans in tune uh, the original fans and I can see you brought in a whole cadre of, of new fans uh, and that's that's helped us immensely as my dad said so it's all comes full circle uh, uh, and just, uh, it's just, uh, I'm enjoying this immensely. I'm enjoying this immensely. So thank you for uh, listening to me and, uh, having, having my father and, uh, and I in on your shows, uh, Rigor and Peter, uh, and thank you for showing up, uh, Mr. Crowley. Uh, it's Crowther. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's I'm okay. Sorry. Crowley, unfortunately, is one I get fairly often because of uh alistair the famous <laughs> alistair yeah oh, right, exactly. right. So the, that was a, a nickname growing up so not a problem uh, at all oh Crowther. i'm sorry daniel i'm sorry daniel. <laughs> not a problem daniel. so so william can you tell us a little bit about you know your growing up your experience with horror films and how that sort of led you on to the path to dr fibes 
Hi, Roger, I'm really sorry to interrupt. Oh, no problem. I'm, I'm really sorry for interrupting the flow. Um, I do need to sign off, I'm afraid. That's totally I've, uh, fine. I've got my group waiting to record. That's totally fine. Go right ahead. Thank you so much for joining us, Daniel. We'll we'll talk soon. Yeah, I just want to say uh, very quickly, um, Damon, William, Peter, uh, Rigor, as usual, um, thank you very much for the conversation. Um, all the best with the upcoming works. And uh, hopefully speak to you again soon. Take care. See you, Daniel. Excellent. See Take you, Daniel. care. Bye. Stay in touch. So, so uh, yeah, William. To, to answer your question, uh, uh, I uh, there was no television uh, in my growing up time. The movies and uh, afternoon movies were uh, the usual. It wasn't a horror film, but Disney's Fantasia uh, mm. was extremely popular. Right. And I went to a matinee uh, and uh, I stayed through to the rerunning of it after the first show. And I can remember vividly my father coming in and pulling me out by the ear because he'd gotten worried about me. was no longer the afternoon it was early evening uh he was a great gentleman uh, uh that's another story uh, i he died when i was 10 years old i didn't know him that well but but i can remember that he spoke with a deep accent and he scolded me for staying in the movie too long that's an impression that's an i don't think i heard that story <laughs> Oh, there, there, there! That's your grandfather. That's your I love it. Well, yeah. that was a three. Wasn't that a three-hour film, Fantasia? I, I, the original release was some, some kind of marathon. It was long uh, to begin but, with. I, yeah, yeah, it was pretty long. Through the first screening and and into the middle, uh, into the middle of the next one. Oh, uh, I see. Other, <laughs> other than that, uh, yeah, we saw a lot of movies. Uh, we made up a lot of stories. Uh, uh, the kids I played with, uh, yeah. uh, we, we had our own, we had our own show. Uh, my earliest movie experience was in high school. I wrote the senior show and oh, produced wow. it and, uh, I couldn't call it horror, but, but that was exciting, but I never mm-hmm. saw myself, uh, <laughs> And I was a chemist. That was my, that was my line and uh, didn't, didn't do anything till a few years later where Jim and I wrote, this was a uh, uh, satire. We wrote a book called uh, the third eye of America. Uh, again, so just pure satire had a lot of fun doing it, but we had a com- we had conversations with Federico Fellini. So that was my first, taste of, of Hollywood, if you would. And it was very exciting. Things fell into line after that. I want to say one thing about Vincent and about Fimes, which is which hasn't come up yet, but which is very important as far as the fans go and as far as, you know, the term comic relief, when things get so tough and so terrible on screen, you pinch yourself or whoever's sitting next to you and you say, it's only a movie. Right. Well, the thing we did with Fives, uh, it turns out that it's a love story inside of a horror story. 
And to me, that, that, that redeems him. And the feedback we're getting from the, from the fans and from the audiences, that's an important part of their liking him. And there's a scene uh, in, in, in the original, and we carry over similar scenes, where he's, in, he's, he's at the Man, Maldine Square mansion. He's in the shrine room where his beloved uh, is slumbering inside of her uh, rose quartz uh, sarcophagus. We see her and he leans his head against it and speaks to her. And what is he saying? Well, what he's saying is, uh, if, if you'll pardon the reference to poetry, he's speaking the first lines of of the Good Morrow, which in, in my book is the greatest love poem ever written. But we hear him, and he's it, it's very tender, it's very gentle, and it's the love side of Fives that comes out. Uh, we want to emphasize that because I think it's given, it's given, uh, to use a Hollywood term, it's given legs to the original Five story, and it's attracted uh, another segment of audiences. So that that that's that's my story as far as movies go. Television really wasn't <laughs> wasn't a uh, an element, right? But, uh, and you 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 have been wonderful as far as spreading the word, so to speak. And I'm I'm using my web page as an example. You've really uh, you've really gotten this uh, logarithmic increase in fans. And at the premiere, I'm going to invite. Roger, Peter, and uh, Daniel, and uh, others responsible to be our guests. Uh, I don't know where that will be, but um, if things keep going the way they're going, it could happen sooner rather than later. So put that on your calendar. We'll Excellent. Be in touch. Excellent. Well, that would be wonderful. Fabulous. Bill, I've got a, Bill, I've got a question for you. Um, you were talking about, um, about, uh, about fives. There's one thing I've always been... Um, uh, or I'd like to ask you about, and that's about um, in your original script, Fives was originally going to kill Volnavia, but then they actually changed it in the final script. Were you responsible for that, or was it Brian Clements that was responsible for that? And if it was Brian, because I, it made him less sympathetic if he actually killed his assistant, that do you think that was actually made an improvement and made the character more a sympathetic anti-hero? Frankly, uh, I I have to read the script again because you reference a scene that I don't recall right now. I, I just pulled out one of the early versions of the script. It's a 240-some page double space. So I, I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to have to read it first, and then I will uh, respond perhaps uh, via email. Oh, thank you. Uh, what thank I, you. No, you're raising an important question. But if I can riff on what you just said, you know, the final scenes, uh, Volnavia uh, is defending Maldine Square against uh, uh, Harry Trout and the other uh, Scotland Yarders. She's there with the axe in her hand. She destroys the uh, stage with the wizards on it. And then she's downstairs and fives makes its exit they come down and with that the acid spills over her and mangles her all right 
that scene is almost the end of the movie. In book 3.5 of the cult classic series, uh, it's called Volnavia's Secret, and that opens with Fibes breaking out. He races across the heath in his supercharged trike, and he breaks out Volnavia from St. Daffodil's Hospital for the Criminally Insane. And there's a scene in there where they're they're racing back to London to Baldine Square. He's going to res- he's going to reconstruct her, which he does. And that's a whole whole other issue, which I'm not going to go into right now. But but there's a, as they're racing across the heath, it's uh, just after midnight. He removes his his uh, bandages. She removes the wrapping around her face to reveal this horribly acid mottled um, skin he mumbles some words about to life Volnavia to life we've had enough of death uh, she looks at him glowingly and as they round the curve they pass a milk wagon with the farmer moving the, the mule coming at them he takes a quick look at what he sees these two ghouls in the moonlight uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> and it lifts him <laughs> off his feet because it's the scary, obviously the scariest thing he's ever seen. Anyway, Volnavia's secret will go into in quite a bit of detail uh, Fibes, how he builds and rebuilds not only Volnavia but also uh, the wizards. The wizards he turns into the Androbots, and that's a whole other that that's the basis for the fourth fives film, which is, it scares me when I read it. That's a spoiler alert. <laughs> oh yeah. That's so awesome. That's what I love about this whole, the, the way the whole fives universe is expanding. Um, I, I just wanted to throw a question onto the floor here for all three of you, Damon, William, and Peter. Um, and t- now you'd mentioned, you know, the premiere of the movie, the third film, and there's no specifics, obviously, just yet. And it could be theatrical, I would imagine, or it could be streaming or whatever. But in terms of theatrical uh, theaters, movie theaters, they sort of had been on the decline for a few years now anyways. And then COVID kind of really came in and, and gave the movie theaters a gut punch. But at least in my experience last year, at the, at the like, let's say, from June to the end of the year, and of course this year, now the drive-ins have been making a huge resurgence because you're able to sort of do that social distancing kind of thing. But do you guys think that the theaters are, movie cinemas are done for, or are they going to be able to make a comeback from all this? I'm, I don't I'm think answer that. that. Oh, I, go ahead. I want to let me answer that. We're going to premiere Forever Fives at the Hollywood Pantages like the Abominable Doctor Fives. Awesome! Yay. We're going to do that. Nice. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think we'll still. No, the theater still stands. And actually, yeah, there, there's been, for example, the Cinerama Dome has been uh, uh, earmarked for the for the graveyard if you'll pardon the expression yeah i heard that the arc like theaters and so forth yeah uh on the other hand uh, tra- traditional exhibitors are digging in i'm i'm talking la because of, you know that, that that's that's what i know they're digging in they are opening up 
and the audiences are coming back. So don't give them up yet. And you know yourself, you know, it's, it's okay to drive in. And by the way, the drive-in of, of the damned is one of our, our fan groups that keep, they stay in touch with what we're doing. But oh, yeah. you know yourself, the theater experience, you, you take your family, uh, spend a hundred, 150 bucks. <laughs> it ain't cheap. Uh, but you go in the comfortable seats, the, uh, the uh, popcorn, uh, get yourself a sandwich, uh, hot chocolate or, or uh, Dr. Pepper. You kick back, the seat is, uh, you can fall asleep in it, it's that comfortable. Uh, and you, the lights go off and then magic happens. You, you can't do that in a drive-in. Uh, you certainly can't do that sitting in your living room. Uh, so I think, uh, and this is gonna sound gratuitous, uh, I I I I think I don't think movie houses are are, are dead yet. Uh, it's 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 a special form of entertainment. And again, we're going to premiere Forever Fives. William, I agree with you, but I, I'm going to have to disagree on one point is that you can do that at the drive in, because when I go to the drive in with my family, we bring our lounge chairs and it is very comfortable <laughs> lying under the stars watching the movie. <laughs> I'm believing it. Well, they've made a resurgence. And, you know, it's out here in California, talking about the drive-in uh, and theaters in general. California, uh, on, the, on the macro, for some reason, we, we discontinued uh, the idea, the concept of a drive-in movie theater. But hmm. when I was growing up, that was all the rage, in fact. My dad took us to all kinds of uh, movies at the drive-in, from from San Francisco area to San Diego area, and then when we came up to Los Angeles. So I don't see those going away. I see those having a resurgence as well. The experience has been enhanced, and as long as they can do that, and and you know Hollywood's going to crank out some movies. Uh, that will be that will be worthwhile. I don't know how much they've been doing that or achieving that these days, but but uh, then as far as the micro, uh, two two uh, movie houses that we've been fortunate enough to uh, be invited as uh, special guests to uh, the screenings of the Abano Doctor Fives uh, at both the Santa Monica Arrow under. Uh, cinema uh, emeritique and the uh, the new Beverly owned by uh, what's his name uh, the actor and director uh, oh um, Tarantino yeah so Tarantino owns owns a theater in in Hollywood the new Beverly Cinema that's right and we had a screening there as well he he hosted a screening for us there and we. So I don't, and, and they're both of them are opening back up just, just this last uh, weekend, they opened back up uh, and had a grand opening again. So a grand reopening. And so they got a huge buzz going on Facebook. You can look uh, both of those theaters on Facebook, the Aero AERO and the new Beverly cinema 
and you'll see you'll see a huge buzz. And I think uh, everyone here will get a kick out of looking at those pages. Uh, they're they're fun pages. So to answer your question, I I think I think movie theaters are here to stay, but it's going to take first of all uh, Hollywood to generate and make the the films and the content uh, uh, interestingly interesting enough because they haven't been doing that. I'm, I'm a bunch of schlock. I, I go on on demand just to see what kind of movies they're getting these days. And their first, their top bills in theater or new releases, I, they all seem, they all seem formulaic, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's like buying a car. They have a movie for everyone's, you know, uh, stereotypical likes and dislikes, right? Right. And it, and it seems so forced. Uh, and, and it's rare now that you'll see a really good film. Yeah. Uh, come out. So, so it's first of all, it's going to have to take that. The, the, the effort from Hollywood is going to have to be stepped back up. They're going to have to make good films again. And um, and so we'll be at the forefront of that with with forever fives uh and uh, yeah hopefully pantages theater will will want to do it again absolutely uh, but, but i think you know and hollywood has to make it work i mean it the the, the 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 town if you will quote unquote uh is built on that it was built on making movies and all those i mean there's a huge amount of uh people involved even just for one film it's a huge amount oh yeah so they have to make it work, and, and I, I think they will. Uh, those two theaters are big hitters, heavy hitters in the Los Angeles area, Hollywood area, and for them to come back and reopen with such uh, enthusiasm from the fans, I think it's a very good sign, and I think it's a sign that we, uh, we are going to have movie theaters back almost the way it was before COVID. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just want to interrupt here for a second here. I think we have another person that's joined us. Spency, is that you? Hi, I'm here. <laughs> Gentlemen. Uh, all right, Spency, you're on the on the call with uh, Damon Goldstein and uh, his father, William Goldstein, who wrote The Abominable Dr. Fibes, and Peter Fuller, who is in charge of the Vincent Price Legacy UK. And uh, I want to introduce you guys to Spency. He goes by Spency Domepiece. He's, he's not only my son, but he was my co-host on the first few episodes of Then Is Now, where we compared and co contrasted um, some movies in their remakes, like Godzilla and Robocop cop and uh stuff like that we also talked about forbidden planet and he was also on board for several other shows that we did so i just wanted to welcome spency to the 50th episode yay Hi, welcome welcome, welcome. <laughs> awesome good, good to meet you good to meet you this yeah. spency's you know had the benefit of uh of my teaching him like, like, I, like I've always said about this show is that I felt that when he was born, I felt the need to bring him up to speed on all the cool stuff that he missed out on. And that's a part of the reason why I created the show. And Spence, has that served you well, knowing a lot about pop culture, you know, growing up through school and stuff? Oh, it's, it's actually been pretty amazing growing up in an age where all this pop culture stuff has happened and I got to see it. So there's so many small things, like so many small references that even, you know, in school teachers would make and then new pop culture would make would make references to it. 
even small things, even like the matrix as recent as that. And me having seen that as a kid, I got to enjoy all of those things. And even when I didn't understand it, I would ask you and you would probably know. So it was really, really interesting, especially when I had some friends who knew different things that I knew. So I could mingle in different crowds of like people who knew comic books and people who knew old TV shows and people who knew old movies and things like that. So it was really interesting to be a part of all those different groups. That's awesome. That's awesome. We were just talking about um, how... You know, theaters had uh, movie theaters had sort of been on the decline before COVID, and then COVID turned into a sort of a gut punch. But now they're starting to finally make a comeback, especially in places like California that are just opening up. And um, you know, the drive-ins definitely made a resurgence. I mean, you and I went to the drive-in. I think we went to the movies more last year than we did the year before. You know, <laughs> B- between that and the cinema pub. Yeah, that was the most amount of drive-in going that I had ever. Uh, gone to because it was the only place that, to go that, that summer but do, now do you think that the movie theaters are are a dying art or you know is, is there still a need for people to be in a social situation where you're you're in a group of like-minded people watching a you know being scared at a horror movie or, or laughing through a comedy all together um i think when it comes to niche films like cult films and more importantly to the sci-fi and horror genre there's a lot of um, importance to the community because you can go to any kind of blockbuster action film or any kind of you know romance movie even if it's a teenage flick um, those all can you can kind of enjoy on your own if you wanted to whereas some of these other movies are it's hard to walk into it wanting to see it unless you had unless you know what it is so I feel like definitely having a group there like you said horror movies are something that it's hard to sit down and say i want to watch a horror movie all on my own because not too many people are that brave <laughs> so i de- can definitely imagine that it's a lot easier to you know even even if you were at home to get friends together it's still super fun to enjoy going to the theater theater popcorn and so many tropes that have followed us into the living room is definitely stems from theater culture and things like that uh, so i think it's very gonna i think it's gonna stay i think it's totally gonna stay it may see a a big spike because of covid and because the lack of movie theaters for a while um so i'm i'm hoping for that but i'm also hoping that drive-in theaters can get some of the recognition they deserve because hollywood is more about money and those are a little harder to make money on because it's a better deal for us oh yeah yeah, and you know, one of the places that not besides the drive-in, um, Spencer and I have been able to go to is uh, what's called a cinema pub, which is a type of movie theater that you go in and it has tables and chairs, and you order a meal and a you know and an alcoholic beverage or a soda or whatever you want before the film and the before the movie starts, your food comes out and you eat your dinner while you're watching the film, and those didn't really close down either. I think for us, at least here in Maine in the U.S., last year. Everything closed down from March till about June. And then in June, everything started to slowly reopen again. And so between the drive-in and the cinema pub, we've been able to see tons of movies. In fact, I think we just saw Spiral there recently, the new Saw movie, which, of course, is influenced by the abominable Dr. Fives. <laughs> but now, now, Peter, what's your experience? Do you have cinema pubs and drive-ins in the UK? or? Well, it's a very different experience here because of the weather. Um, uh, drive-ins, um, because I'm Australian, uh, I was born in Australia, uh, I grew up with drive-ins okay. and I absolutely loved them. And my best experiences are actually going to see, the first film I ever saw was 
um, The Sound of Music is in oh. a double bill with the Deadly Bees. <laughs> <laughs> and that was with my family. That's awesome. Um, and we saw everything in the 70s. We saw everything, you know, Grizzly, Day of the Animals. Everything oh, yeah. was all on the drive-ins. Uh, when I came here to the UK, unfortunately, drive-ins don't exist. Um, wow. However, what we do have, we have repertory cinemas. We have bespoke cinemas, which uh, deal with, you know, like, you know, classic films. Um, we've got this fantastic place in here in London called the Prince Charles uh, Cinema. And they've been showing Rocky Horror and The Sound of Music every week forever. Um, right, right. And now that, you know, COVID is actually like, you know, we're, we're getting back to normal a little bit. It's it, we're, we're actually going back into the cinema. And uh, that's hopefully where we will actually probably show um, a double bill of vibes and uh, with Carolyn Munro and Victoria um, later this year. Um, awesome. We are hoping to do the Regent Cinema, which is actually um, the first ever cinema in London. Uh, but we're all we're still sort of negotiating that. But it'll be great to actually celebrate the 50th anniversary of the UK release of Dr. Vibes here in and then would be really really good. So, but otherwise, are you going to do a? Are you going to do a? a, Are you going to broadcast from there a podcast from the theater? That would be awesome. You know what? I've never. I hadn't thought about. That's a great idea. Um, We'll have to. You can pipe us in. We'll 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 sit with the audience. (laughs) We'll put that on the agenda. What a great idea! (laughs) Love it. We'd love it. So otherwise, uh, you know, yes, but otherwise, no, drive-ins don't exist, uh, but we do have rooftop cinemas and we have bespoke, you know, things like that. But uh, we're, we're hoping to do it that way. Nice, nice. So fun. I just wanted That's to say, fun. Spence, you have limited time here, correct? Yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to mention um, to you guys and also to our listeners, last October we did a series called um the 13 days of hallowtober and that actually came about because i missed i was trying to say halloween in october and i kind of mashed them up by accident and i was like well that's a great word so the last 13 days of october we did an episode every day about a particular horror movie and the theme last year was um it was like what people consider the scariest movies of all time and that went over really well. So this year we're doing it again, the 13 days of Hallowtober, but we're doing a different theme. And Spence, you came up with the theme. The theme. I can't talk today. Can you tell us what it is? Oh, uh, yeah. This year we're going to be doing zombies and basically addressing all the big franchise, big names, and some of the more unique takes on the, on the modern zombie and how it goes. Um, you know, there's a few really interesting films that really break the mold when it comes to the zombie genre. So that's kind of the whole overarching theme of the 13 days. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Spence, thanks a lot for joining us and thanks for, you know, for all your help. In fact, um, you guys may not know, I, I do know, I do another show called The East Meets the West, where I talk about Shaw Brothers films and spaghetti westerns. And when I was originally coming up with the idea, I was telling Spence about it. And I was going to do two podcasts. And he's like, well, they're both niche audiences. Why don't you just mash them into one show? And it, it was brilliant because there's so many parallels between the Italian Westerns and the, and the Chinese Kung Fu films that it works perfectly. So, Spence, I have to thank you for that because it's it's been a great thing. <laughs> I forgot that was my idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, so, hey, Roger, have you had Brett Halsey on your show yet? I have not. Oh, you should. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I just want to let Spencer go real quick here. And, uh, Spence, thanks a lot. And we'll talk later because I want to talk to you about Saturday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, 
All right. Well, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Nice to meet you all. Hello, this is Rod Barnett. I'm the host of The Bloody Pit, the podcast that examines films from across the decades. On The Bloody Pit, we have several ongoing series of shows within the show focused on specific things in genre cinema that I and my co-hosts find fascinating. There's a long-running series focused on Italian maestro Antonio Margheriti's films from the 1960s all the way up through 1990. There's an on-again, off-again series focused on 1970s science fiction films. There's an in-depth look at the Western movies that William Castle made before he struck out on his own and became the horror auteur that we know and love. A look at the classic Coffin Joe films from Brazil. And our long-term project to look at every universal horror film made in the 1940s. That's a long project, people. It's going to take us a long time. Sprinkled in amongst those are various other episodes focused on other stranger areas of cinema, like uh, Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and even some obscure British crime films from time to time. So join me and my rotating crew of co-hosts as we examine the stranger side of cinema through an exploitation lens. Except when we don't? Yeah, you never really know exactly what to expect on The Bloody Pit. So join me for The Bloody Pit. Okay, so Peter, I'm sorry, you were saying Brett Halsey? Well, I mean, he's like, you know, he's done loads of spaghetti westerns, um, but he's also shared the screen with Vincent uh, a couple of times. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he'd be like a good uh, subject for you. Absolutely, absolutely. I put um, I put word out to Franco Nero, and I haven't heard from him, um, but we did hear back from Terrence. Oh, I love Terrence Hill. Oh, but yeah, so Terrence Hill's coming on the show probably uh, October. Oh, he's great. He's he's, he's amazing. My dad's favorite. Yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely add Brett Halsey to the list. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, I've got a contact for you anyway. So. Oh, please send that to me. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this may be uh, an odd suggestion, but I think a perfect example of joining the two, the mashup uh, with the with the Italian Western and the and the American uh, uh, kung, or the Kung Fu uh, with the American show. Kung Fu. Yes. With David Carradine. Right. Uh, as the traveling Shaolin priest uh, traveling through America uh, in, in, in the, what was that, the uh, 18th century or 17th, something like that. I forget. Uh, yeah. Western days. So, yeah. That, that's a great, I think it's a great example of those two movies types coming together, uh, albeit done by. Uh, American TV show. Um, uh, it could be a good example for people to new new fans to understand. Uh, the, the, this stuff uh, has a long and deep, rich history. 
exactly. And you know, actually, one of the more recent TV shows that that took elements of both the Shaw Brothers kung fu films and the um, spaghetti westerns was The Mandalorian, which was a Star Wars show that was presented on Disney Plus. And you know, I haven't seen that yet. Oh my god, it's so good! It really, for me, it, it gave me that Star Wars feeling back because those prequel movies were awful in my book, and then the new the new trilogy was like, yeah, it was okay, but this show. It, it's like you're back in 1977 again, and you're just experiencing Star Wars from a di- totally different angle and a different part of the universe. But it was so it's so well done. It really it really catered to us fans who grew up with that original trilogy back in the late 70s and early 80s, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. So I highly recommend that. So, yeah, so there's a couple of the things I just wanted to ask you guys about. Um, in terms of now, one of the reasons, obviously, I, I brought Damon and William on you guys originally was to talk about Dr. Fives. And then we knew that the 50th anniversary was coming up and to sort of, you know, bring that back to the pop culture to, like I said, like I always say, expose the next generation to stuff they missed out on. And that's one of those films that they clearly need to see um, in terms of, of horror. It's just so, it's just such an iconic film. Are there things that you guys have noticed, all three of you, Damon, William, and Peter, that you think are, have sort of been slipping away from our pop culture that maybe we need to talk more about or reintroduce to the next generation? Mm -hmm. That's a stumper of a question. (laughs) That's a very good question. Well, the word, the word is relevance. Um, and, and, uh, Uh, I'm in the Writers Guild, uh, and and the the question always is: Are they going to love my stuff when these kids grow up? And will the new kids buy my books or watch my films? Right. And quite often, the answer is no, because <laughs> for for the obvious reason. You're you're not trying new things. I'm trying I'm talking about writing and using the imagination, and the imagination fails, or the the brain cells shrivel, or you get too comfortable, or you become autocratic in 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 sitting at your writing table. All of these things. Uh, condense into the, the notion of taking a chance of, of trying something new or being willing to try something new. And I, again, I'm talking at it from a writer's viewpoint. So that's where the question of relevance comes in. And, and I can tell you, at least in, in this town, there are, there's a cottage industry of coaches, people, <laughs> people, who All do kinds. nothing uh, but uh, uh, listen to where you are as far as creativity, and then giving you pointers on how to how to get out of the rut and stay there. And I've just huh. heard this last week. A friend of mine is a an actress and uh, a very good one, as a matter of fact, and she tells me that on set. And this is during the actual production. The top talent will have not only an assistant director, but a coach. Listen to this: a coach who will tell them 
how to play a speci- this specific scene. I've never heard of this before, <laughs> but but <laughs> apparently it's a, it's a standard practice. And I, I'm talking about film production, standard practice uh, for the stars, the, the names to have. In, a, in addition to makeup artist and hairdresser and um, all of the other below the night people, they will have a personal coach there to get them through the scene. So there, so there we are. You got to be relevant. You got to use your imagination, and you really have to take risks. You have to be prepared to take risks. Right. That'll, that'll get your books sold in the next 20 years <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and the movies watched. And when I started the show, my stock, um, my go-to example was always the same. And Peter, I wanted to ask you this question before I give you the example. Are you familiar with the character of Fonzie and the TV show Happy Days? Oh my God, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I wasn't sure. You never know. Cause like, I think, um, uh, Daniel that was on earlier, I spoke to him about it. He didn't know he hadn't heard of it, but, um, so I always use that as my stock answer. It's like all everybody should know who Fonzie is because that was such a, a huge part of our of our pop culture, Happy Days. That there's no reason why why you don't have to have watched every episode of Happy Days to know who Fonzie is because Fonzie was just so iconic. Do you know what I mean? So absolutely, yeah, yeah. So that's sort of my example. Henry Winkler. I'm sorry. Right. Henry, Henry Winkler. Winkler. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got another guest on the show. Uh, Charlene, my wife, has joined us. <laughs> Welcome, Charlene. Oh, hi, Charlene. Hi there. I don't know. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. You're on with uh, William Goldstein, who created Dr. Fibes, and his son Damon, and uh, Peter Fuller, who does the Vincent Price Legacy UK sites. And uh, welcome. Hello, Charlene. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Hello. <laughs> good, good to meet you. Uh, we were just talking about before that we were talking about, you know, movie theaters and are they going away or are they going to make a comeback? And then I was asking the question, are there things that have left our pop culture that, you know, we need to hang on to and, and, and reintroduce to the next generation? Is there anything you can think of <laughs> just to put you um, on the spot? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I just I really just wanted to pop on just to um, congratulate you on your 50th episode. Oh, and- thank you. <laughs> And just to say, you know, I know that you're having a lot of fun with it and I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes moving forward. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it's all thanks to these guys for being on the show and, uh, you know, helping out along the way. We've been doing a lot of five stuff and, and, uh, been tied into the 50th anniversary, which for me is an honor. So. Well, it's been our, it's been our huge pleasure, Rigor. Uh, and that's a question I have for your lovely wife. Now, (laughs) When you when you two married, did Roger already have the Rigor character, or is this a new development? And how do you feel about Rigor? <laughs> um, this is uh, Rigor. I guess was invented or created long before I came into the picture. Um, but it, um, I'm sure he told you the story with the with COVID and just being, having a little bit more time, he's uh, really developed it. And um, so I think that Rigor is, is, has been around for a while, but he's uh, always kind of morphing into something more day by day. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. <laughs> oh, Thanks man. so much for, for answering. I hope I didn't 
uh, uh, pry there, uh, get too too close. Uh, no, I thought you were going to uh, ask her how does she put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd have to ask my wife the same thing about me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I work outside of the home. That's how. That's how we uh, make it work. Right. <laughs> Right. He's home all day and I'm out I'm out at work. <laughs> some 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 different some different area of of uh, expertise and just uh different area uh geographically as well. I think I think uh we've we've done that too, my wife and I. With with separate rooms uh for you know, doing work. She's got her own little studio and I have my own little writing and social media area so i think uh yeah and here's a motto here's a motto uh rigor yeah happy wife happy, happy life. life yep <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say what's the motto with you huh <laughs> <laughs> oh man so this has been awesome so as we wind down the show peter i wanted to just touch base with you one more time about the um the cookbook you had mentioned at the beginning and can you tell us more about that yeah, it's like our latest new project, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. And it's going to be, it, it touches base with uh, with Fives fans as well, because um, what we've done is we've created a new cookbook where basically you have 52 of Vincent's co-stars throughout his 50-year career paired with 52 of his recipes from his various cookbooks. And oh, wow. amongst those um, co-stars is um, Peter Cushing, uh, Robert Quarry, who both were in Dr. Fives Rises Again, uh, cameos and, and star, uh, but also Terry Thomas, which it has a main chapter because he appeared in the both the Dr. Fives films. Right, right. And he right. has a fantastic fish recipe. And um, we've paired it with what, oh. a wonderful recipe from Vincent. But we've also oh. had... Um, Valley Kemp, who played Volnavia in Dr. Fives Rises Again, she's given us her own personal recipe um, for something. Um, so oh. this will be something we've, we've put together. There's It's lots of fun facts and trivia. Nice. Great idea to actually, like, you can watch the film, but actually um, you could actually sort of sit there and go, okay, I'm going to have uh, watch the film with the co-star and Vincent, and you can actually select your meal and uh, and sit down and actually make it. It's going to be a great fun thing, and we're hoping to release it. We're planning to release it um, on October the 25th, which will be celebrating Vincent's um, anniversary, his, the passing of his anniversary, and um, uh, so or a Halloween release. So we're hoping to plan that. Now, we are actually doing at the moment, we're actually still in the design stage. So we're actually uh, asking people to actually like um, uh, sign up to actually get uh, latest statements of like, you know, what the progress of the project is, because we haven't done the campaign as yet. So if anybody wants to do it, I'm sure you can actually uh, give them the link for it. So right. nice. That's excellent. That's excellent. And Peter, can you tell um, our listeners how they can find you online? Oh, yes, you can find me online um, at the uh, either of the uh, Facebook page, which is Vincent Price Legacy UK. Uh, just type that in i'm sure you'll find me there um otherwise you can actually email me at um peter at the sound of vincent and if you've got any questions just email me 
Excellent, excellent. And, you know, one of the biggest things that we learned in this episode, which was an amazing fact, is that Damon Goldstein is actually the long-lost brother of Victoria Price. So I thought that was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that VB will have something to say about that. (laughs) Oh, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Awesome, awesome. Well, congratulations once again, Damon and William, on the 50th anniversary of The Abominable Dr. Fibes. And um, I'm going to put everyone's links in the show notes, but Damon, if you want to give us some of the uh, web links where people can find you. Sure. So one of our main Facebook pages is a group page. It's called Dr. Fibes Cult Classic Series. And, And just like Peter said, you can type that in, and I'm sure you'll find that group page, uh, which the rules have just changed. So it's anybody can find the page and anybody can request to become a member. Another good one is, well, I've created a, a Facebook page for each of the five books that we have, Dr. Five's books that we have out individually. So the best one and the, the current one that we're uh, showing a lot of stuff because is it's the 50th anniversary of the movie is just Dr. Fives, the book. So that's the first book in the cult classic series, which we've continued. Uh, and that has four books in that series. We have the new series of Dr. Fives manifest series with the Andrew bots kicking off that series. So uh, you can type in any of those titles, but certainly Dr. Fives, the book, and Dr. Five's cult classic series on Facebook. Excellent. And I have a question for Bill. When's the next book due? Because I'm so looking forward to it. Hey. I, I'm in the final edit now. It's, let me say this, and this is the writer's nightmare. I got done with it. First of all, it was done over a pretty long stretch. And when I got done with it, I didn't know what I had. It was uh, bits and pieces and no connections. So I've been, sp- I've been spending, I've, been doing other things too but spending the last uh, three months pulling it all together so now it's all together damon does the formatting we're looking the agent uh, is discussing now with one of the hardcore subsidiaries on a five section book of the five books so i'm writing the one sheet on that he's going to be presenting it I don't know if you read Isaac Asimov, but uh, Asimov did a similar thing with several of his books. The end result is a 600-plus page, uh, 250,000-word giant. Nobody reads that, but but he's got a market. Uh, that's what we're shooting for. Uh, I will keep you posted. So that's, <laughs> that's where we are. Well, nothing like having all five books in, in one volume. That's that's going to be the uh, collector's uh, interest. And I, I think it's a great idea. And yes, yeah, stay tuned for that book to come out too later this year. So it'll be a, it'll be a full anthology or compendium, what have you. We haven't finalized the, the work, the publishing title, but right now we have the working title of the Dr. Fives compendium. So we'll see how that works out, but it's, it essentially is going to be all five Dr. Fives books in one volume uh, for the first time. So that's going to be a, uh, a great collector's Absolutely. item. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, gentlemen, thank you so much. And, you know, Peter, when your cookbook comes out, I'd love to have you back on the show. And um, if you want to come on anytime and talk Vincent Price, too, that would be fun. Anytime, anytime. I'm, you know, I'm always around. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And also, same goes for you, William and Damon. When you when the next book comes out, let's uh, let's have you back on the show and keep talking vibes until the movie comes out. Fantastic. We'll, we'll stay. We'll stay in touch in the meantime. And thank you. Thank all of you. You uh, you're doing you're doing a great service to filmdom, to Doctor Fives especially, and to your expertise. And we we much appreciate it. So thank you again. Take care. Stay safe. Have a good good rest of the week. You too. Take care. You too. Thank you, Rigor. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. I'm really happy. Yes, See you Peter. Good, All right. Good talking with you again. You too, mate. <laughs> All right. Take care, All right, everyone. Cheers. Take care. Oh, my God. I can't thank everyone enough who came on the show today and i can't thank you the listeners for listening to the show please share it with younger people in your lives you know there's a lot of pop culture that's disappearing and they need the young people need to be brought up to speed on all the cool stuff they missed out on thank you all for a great 50th episode now remember you can send your feedback to then is now 42 at gmail.com you can also join in the conversation at our then at our facebook then is now podcast group then is now podcast is a proud member of the dorkening podcast network so please be sure to check out all the other great shows there at the dorkening.com you can also visit our website at havenpodcasts.com where you'll find our sister show the east meets the west in which we discuss shaw brothers films and spaghetti western movies and Then Is Now is on YouTube, so please visit youtube.com slash user slash UncleDeath1 to get the latest videos as well as other fun videos. Please subscribe to our YouTube page and also share the video versions of our podcast with your friends and get them to subscribe as well. Don't forget to go wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review so that more listeners can find us. You can find us on all the podcasting apps, especially the big three, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Class dismissed. Now podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media.
For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com. You know, there's a lot of pop culture that's disappearing, and they need the young people need to be brought up to speed on all the cool stuff they missed out on. I'm going to pick a booger out of my nose.